Welcome to Stepping Forward Podcast, where we talk about all things step family related, including former partners, children, court, custody, finances, all of the business. All the business. There's so <laughs> much business as a step parent. That's right. <laughs> Today, mm-hmm. we're going to delve into something that is directly related to family. Mm-hmm. We are going to talk about infertility as a step-parent. Yeah. And so um, this is a really heavy topic for me personally because um, for the first couple of years I was just working and I was like, we talked about in one of the other episodes that I was almost 31 and mm-hmm. um, and then I applied to graduate school and I was like, oh, I don't know if I could have a kid in graduate school and I probably couldn't have, but we still started oh, trying anyway. And I think I was like 35 when we started trying Yeah, and I had polycystic ovarian syndrome and um, never got pregnant. So I think as a stepmom, I'm highly invested in my stepdaughters because mm-hmm. I wasn't able to have kids of my own, which is something that up until that point I had wanted extremely badly and was a very, um, I'm trying to think of a adjective because I can think as grief. It was just grief. It was so hard yeah. and so sad. And um, you stepmamas out there that are dealing with infertility or secondary infertility, which we're going to talk about. Um, it's really difficult. You have all our sympathy and love. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think grief is the perfect word to describe it because it's a loss of things that might have been, it's a loss of your dreams Mm -hmm. and your hopes and your goals. Yep, definitely. So I think, I feel like this is going to be a content warning episode that we're going to just toss up there before people if you don't want to listen to it if you're going through infertility right now and this is too painful you don't have to listen you are absolutely under no obligation to do that if you need to practice the self-care then you can do that and wait till next week when there's another episode that comes out right um one of the things that made it really hard for me to be infertile was that my stepdaughter's mom is hyper fertile. <laughs> and I think I yeah. mentioned before she had three kids after um after the girls. And then they we started trying, I can't remember. Math is hard. We started trying the year after she had her first one with her soon-to-be ex-husband. And she had gotten pregnant pretty quickly after that. And mm-hmm. then we started, we were still trying and doing fertility treatments and um on Mother's Day one year, we found out that she was pregnant again. And oh. at that point, I just lost it and sobbed and sobbed and sobbed because I was like, this thing that I want so much and I know I would be a good mom, um, I can't have it. And she isn't even trying. <laughs> right. And, you know, he, her husband just looks at her and she gets pregnant kind of thing. Yeah. So I think those were a few things that made it super hard for me. I think as a stepmom... Uh, our thoughts can make it really difficult for us. And I know my thoughts did, but at the same time that not being able to have something that you feel like is really important and really want can also make it difficult. So um, now I'm at peace with not having kids. I'm 42 and um, I don't have the energy for kids. And like we've talked about before, I'm an introvert, but even so 
I had an endometrial ablation last November because I was like, if I can't have kids, I just want to be done. And then once I had made that decision, it was that grief again, that just kind of sobbing <laughs> kind yeah. of grief that was so heavy and so hard. Um, infertility as a stepmom is really hard because you see, especially if you have a high conflict relationship with a biological mom yeah. or if they're doing really crappy things to the kids because mm -hmm. you look at it and you're like, I want kids so badly. And this person that... Um, has you know as many kids as she wants can treat them badly or as many kids as she doesn't want right <laughs> pretty it's sure tough. she got overwhelmed yeah 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 and that is hard to watch and I think there's you know it's not the same thing but there is some overlap I think with um being a stepmom struggling with infertility and being a single person who doesn't want to raise kids on your own, but who still wants kids. Right. There's a lot of that. Um, you know, if we had our Venn diagram, there'd be <laughs> some good overlap in the middle of there of the emotions that you feel. Definitely. Um, especially if you're someone who's working with kids a lot uh -huh. and seeing <laughs> the way other people treat their kids when yes. it's not so great. And you're just like, yeah. um, I want to do this job and I want to show that I can do it having learned all these things, you know? Right. Yeah. I've thought about that a lot. And one of the, um, one of my best friends, she had a whole infertility struggle too. And like a couple of weeks ago, she just had her first baby, but they did everything they did in vitro. They had six or eight embryos that were viable Wow. and she didn't get pregnant off of that. And oh. so, yeah, it was tough. So she thought that they were done and then started the adoption process. The adoption failed and a few weeks later, she started to feel sick. But we oh. were going through it around the same time. And it was while I was still in the LDS faith. Um, and people talk a lot about motherhood in that. Yeah. That's kind of seen as like the, we talked about the Mother's Day episode. <clears throat> My perception of Mother Day, Mother's Day was really highly formed by the church that I grew up in. Yeah. And how motherhood is like the highest and holiest calling that you can have. And so. It's the pinnacle. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And I mean, that's fine to believe that, but it made it a lot harder for me. Oh, yeah. And that's, I think, I think in a lot of ways, it's a cultural thing mm -hmm. in the church that's based on some doctrine. Yeah. But it's not exactly what the doctrine says, right? right? <laughs> Which is like any doctrine in a church, right. how people yeah. interpret it. <laughs> but people tend to take it to the extreme. And I think uh -huh. anytime you get these extreme views, there becomes a lot of room for pain and hurting yeah. and grief and yeah. um you know when you're consistently not meeting the expectations of the society around you it's a heavy weight mm -hmm. interestingly enough that was also the thing that made me come face to face with what I really believed in mm -hmm. terms of figuring out like why can't my friend have a baby she would be such a good mom and right. I was walking into church one day and I just had this overwhelming impression connection that was like, some people need to learn the lesson that you have from having kids. Other people need to learn the lesson that you have from not having kids. And um, now I'm grateful I don't have kids because I'm an old lady. And I can't imagine chasing around a five or six year old. <laughs> but, um, but there are still days that I absolutely am sad and yeah. that I want the experience of, you know, having been able to be pregnant and to be a parent full-time with Chris. Mm -hmm. I think that it's really, as a step-parent, you get to be 
a kind of sort of parent a lot of times. Right. You don't get to have a lot of say in what happens with them mm-hmm. legally, financially, emotionally, custody wise. Um, and so the idea of having kids and being able to be with them and influence them and teach them like coping skills and healthy things to deal with their mm-hmm. life sounds so nice. Yeah. It's hard. In a lot of ways, many days, it feels like being a step parent is parenting with all the responsibilities, but none of the perks. It sure is. Um, yeah. So, and I, we talked about, I was almost 31 when we got married and I jumped right into the two stepdaughter thing. Mm-hmm. Um, same as you. Uh-huh. <laughs> and there were days when, especially when we were in our custody battle um, and we were being sued for custody over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And I realized like, there's a real possibility that we could lose these kids. Right. And I mean, that's true of any kids. That's true of any person because that's just the nature of life. It's temporary. Yeah. Right. But, um, I think it's different to have it in your face all the time that you really could lose these kids. And I think when you're just raising kids full time, um, you think about it and you worry about them, but it's not in your face as much like, okay, we could lose custody of these kids. We might not see them. Their mom could control how much we see them. Or if you're a stepdad, their dad could control how much I get to see them. It really, you love them so much and you have so much um, emotion wrapped up in it. Yeah. And being faced with that reality every day, especially if you're in a court battle or if that's already your reality, um, it's hard, you know, and I talked to my husband and, you know, we weren't in the best position financially or really any way, but we, especially I, but we both felt pretty (laughs) strongly that we, um, I had more kids waiting for us mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's very based in our religious beliefs as well. Um, you know, we believe that there is a preexistence and there is a life before this life. And, um, and so that was when we started trying to have Danny, our son. And <laughs> He's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm so very grateful for him. He has been just like, the brightest light in all of our lives, not just mine. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, he's absolutely his own little person. Um, yeah. And then we've been trying to have another child because we're like, okay, well, we want Danny to have a sibling that's closer in age to him. Mm-hmm. And um, we've been struggling with what's called secondary infertility, yeah. which is when you've been able to have a child. And then after that, it you're having difficulty conceiving. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah. Um, but then we actually had a relative that was struggling with it. And I was like, oh, that super sucks. And now I'm living it. And I'm like, yep, that does, does super suck. suck. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I'm in a position where I'm still trying to wean my son from breastfeeding. And so a lot of doctors and professionals are like, well, we'll we'll look at it again when he's weaned all the way. And I'm like, okay, but I don't think that's the issue here, right? you know? Yeah. So um, I think that's another thing that I, I want to give a voice to. And it's not just with infertility struggles, but not being heard by professionals. Yeah. I think that's really tricky. I would love to hear more from you about that because when I went in 
um, I was going to school, graduate school. Mm-hmm. I was seen in the BYU Student Health Center and they almost immediately referred me because I was a little bit older uh-huh. and um, had been diagnosed with PCOS earlier. Uh-huh. They were like, okay, we want you to start seeing a fertility specialist right away. Okay. Yeah. So, and I don't know because I, I've, I actually really love my doctor and she's really listened to me on a lot of other things, uh-huh. but I don't know. It's just like this one thing. She's just like, huh, okay, well, we'll talk about that later. Yeah. And, um, yeah. So I think I'll push it more next time I'm in there. That makes sense. But just see what you can get. <laughs> I mean, not yeah. being heard by doctors is something that happened to me during my pregnancy with Danny. And oh. I had to fight really hard mm-hmm. because I had um, cholestasis, which is a it's a condition of the liver that occurs during pregnancy. I mean, it can happen not during pregnancy, but it it's very rare. And it's... um it's bile acids that build up in your liver, Mm -hmm. right? And then they backflow into your bloodstream and then that can cross the barrier of the placenta Mm -hmm. and it erodes the placenta and the umbilical cord and um, it can cause stillbirth. That's significant. It's recognized by those who have studied it that you should be induced between 36 and 37 weeks when you're Uh diagnosed with that. My doctor diagnosed me with that and then was like, yeah, you'll be fine to 39 weeks to get induced. And I was like, um, what? Yeah. No. Nope. (laughs) So I had to fight to see a specialist. I had to fight to get induced, you know, yeah, the whole trip. And I, man, the U.S. health system and women's health is, it's an interesting, interesting thing. Uh So many people think they have a say in your body and in your child's life. Yeah. And I'm like, you don't know me. Uh, you don't know me. <laughs> you don't know this baby. <laughs> but it's true. Um, yeah, they don't know you. They don't know what's happening. I feel like a lot of times doctors aren't necessarily up to date on stuff. Like mm-hmm. my stepdaughter's, my oldest stepdaughter's doctor put her on a medication for anxiety that it's highly contraindicated for kids who are under 25 oh, because God. it increases depression and suicidal thoughts so much. And so mm. he didn't know that necessarily. Oh. And I feel like sometimes you're right. We do put our trust in people that don't know what they're talking about, but yeah, um, but I like, I felt like with my experience, they took what was happening with me seriously. They started treatments almost right away. They put me on, um, it's been a long time. It wasn't Clomid. It was another medication that helps induce fertility mm-hmm. or induce ovulation, but it also um, is mainly used to treat breast cancer. Okay. The ovulation is just an off-label thing. I think it starts with an F, but I can't remember for sure. But now I feel like I know what it is and I can't remember. I know. I'll have to look it up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but um, even with all that, it didn't work. And um, if I think if you're going through fertility problems as a stepmom, or as a stepdad, where you want kids of your own, where you want to have an influence, to raise them, to love them, to have that experience in your life. We talk about this all the time, but we validate what you're feeling. It is extremely valid. Mm-hmm. It is extremely painful. And um, it's really difficult. So I interrupted you. Tell us more about your <laughs> secondary infertility. Oh, no, I stuff. think that that's that's mostly what there was to say about it. Okay. I think it is disheartening and it's, it's like, okay, body, you've done this before. What's the deal now? Right. Like, right. <laughs> uh, I know you know how to do this, <laughs> Yeah, but um, let's do this again. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So 
but yeah, I think if you're struggling with this, it is completely valid mm-hmm. and you deserve to be heard. Yeah. You deserve to be able to get the treatment that you want and you need. Um, another thing that's tough is a lot of infer- infertility treatments are very expensive, especially once yes. you get into like in vitro and that type of thing or surrogacy. I mean, the well, the costs are astronomical. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm seeing parents fundraising to be able to have a baby and yeah. and it's no there's no guarantee like you said your friend that had all those viable um um what's the word that i can't think of viable zygotes what are yeah. they at that stage whatever somebody embryos? who knows more yes. embryos there we go <laughs> i'm like someone who knows more science than us can write in and tell us <laughs> but you know there's no guarantee and um also, like I said, there's no, there's never really any guarantee on anything, but I think sometimes the situation you're in can really magnify the truth of the matter that yep. there's no guarantee. Yeah, it's true. I was just looking while you were, it's the one I was on was called Letrozole. Oh, okay. So it doesn't have an F. Um, I'm very disappointed. I'm, you should be. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about that really, I don't know, I had to come to this realization and hopefully this helps somebody too, is um, I had a lot of friends who are religious and I'm not dogging on religion at all. I think it's great. I think it produces really great people, but they would post things like, I'm so grateful that God trusted me enough with this baby mm-hmm. and it would hurt. And I would be like, think about the inverse people. That means God doesn't trust me enough to have a baby. Right. But kind of in thinking through that process, I thought, you know what? Um, I definitely think there are times like you were talking about, you knew there were babies that were meant to come to your family. Mm-hmm. And there are other times that pregnancy is a biological thing that happens. Right. It isn't something that um, every time is, you know, this little person is intended to come to your family necessarily. There are times like that. Right. But there are other times that it's like, yep, okay, you just had a relationship with this person at the wrong part of, you know, their cycle or your cycle, whenever it was. Mm -hmm. And it's not um, a matter of God trusting you versus not trusting you. Yes. Full stop. It's yeah, not. Absolutely and if people agreed. believe that, that's great. And maybe in that situation with that baby, it is that way for them. But it doesn't mean that that's that way for everybody. Right. The other thing that um, I think about with fertility and infertility is, like Rachel said, when we're working in the schools, we see so many different types of families. And some of them are really functional and they have kids who are doing well in school. Um, if they have mental health needs, they get them treatment that they need. Mm-hmm. Um, they come to school with food. They have internet at home, things like that. And mm-hmm. then there are other parents that those things aren't happening for. Um, it's sometimes hard. And it's that personalization thing, again, that we talked about with Brit that we can't personalize it. Yeah. Um, but a lot of times I would think, I know that I would give my kids at least a stable place to stay. Um, I would help them, you know, raise them with like emotional regulation and those kinds of skills. I would give them food. I would give them a bed. I would give them the basics. And I would also love them and want, you know, them to 
do their very best and try my hardest to get them the help that they needed. Right. And that's something I've struggled with in the schools. I don't right now because I've seen it enough and I know it's not about me, <laughs> but I've seen it enough, enough and know that um, most parents are doing the best that they can and their best is not my best and it doesn't have to be. And babies aren't a reward. They don't get sent to parents who are going to take care of them. Right. Another thing I want to just bring up is adoption. So I know it's not for everybody. Mm -hmm. um, and this is deeply personal, yeah. like deeply, deeply personal. Um, but I also want to point out that as step parents, we are specially equipped to be able to love someone that we didn't give birth to. That's true. <laughs> uh, or didn't, you know, father. Mm -hmm. And um we have some really great skills that many kids in the system would benefit from having around them, having in adults around them. And um, if you think you couldn't ever do it, I would ask you just to re-examine that belief and challenge it. And if, if it stands, then it stands. If it doesn't, though, you know, you might you might be the right parent for someone. You might be someone that could make a phenomenal difference in somebody's life yeah. um, and not just a baby. You know, there are lots of older kids that are not a long term, you know, I mean, they are a long term commitment, but it's not <laughs> like it's not the same. I don't know. Older kids are different than younger kids. I don't want to say it's a different commitment level, but it's a different energy level. It's a different flow. True. Um, and, you know, it's not chasing a toddler around. It's having a conversation with someone who has a lot of things they're probably trying to process. Yeah. And really could use some support from a stable adult. Mm -hmm. So I that's just a challenge to examine those beliefs. <laughs> it's not me telling you, oh, you need to go do this. <laughs> Because who the heck am I? <laughs> Blah. <laughs> it's just a thought that, you know, occurred to me. And I feel like it is related to this yeah. topic. So I think a lot of people think about and consider adoption um, when they find out that they're infertile. And it's a good thing to do. And it's it can be helpful for a lot of kids. Mm -hmm. And one of the people that it was not for. Right. And, and that's, that's okay. fine. And yeah. if it's for you, that's fine too. Yeah. It's your life. You get to live it. <laughs> right. And, you know, I'm not saying it's going to like fill some hole, you know, like your emotions about infertility are still going to be there. Yep. Um, but it could be the opportunity to raise a child and have more input with that child and to raise a child with your partner without, you know, the third party of their ex intervening all the time. <laughs> which is super frustrating. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. it's true. Like, you know, secondary infertility. Yeah. I have a kid with my partner and it's vastly different. Yeah. I bet. Then how we parent him is so different than how we parent the stepkids, my stepkids. And even though like we try to keep things as equitable as possible and we, we try to be very consistent with our, in our home, there's not all this other extra discussion that has to happen around what we're <laughs> doing with him because we're on the same page as each other. Yes. Right. We're not having to send 
let me send a message through our family wizard to find out blah, blah, blah. And then we'll talk about that. And then we'll send a message back and then we'll wait for another message back. It's like, oh, hey, uh, will you schedule him a dentist appointment? Yeah. Okay, cool. Awesome. Done. Yeah. You know? And that's kind of what I think a lot of step parents could hope for in having their own kids. Yeah. Um, and why infertility sucks so much because oh all gosh, you have, I told the worst. Oh, I had a meltdown this week. I told Chris, like, all I have is these kids. I gave up the opportunity to try to have kids and try to do like further fertility treatments if possible. We didn't do IVF because we couldn't afford it. It's, it's <laughs> but, insane um, how it is. costly it is. Yeah. But I told Chris, like, I gave up the chance to have my own kids for these and they mean a lot to me. Mm -hmm. And Sometimes they're buttheads, and I love that. <laughs> but they are. <laughs> oh, sometimes kids are the biggest buttheads. I know. But I think it's important, too, to think, like, it, she's not being a butthead because she's a stepkid. She's just being a butthead. Right. She's that way with, like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it wouldn't be different if I was her mom. It'd be the same. She'd yeah. be the same kid. <laughs> She'd still be being a butthead. Exactly. Just, you know. <laughs> Biologically. Exactly. <laughs> so I think the way that we frame a lot of things and the way that we think about them can really help us um, yeah. in the way that we deal with them. And that mindset piece, because that's mindset. Mm -hmm. um, if you're struggling with that and you want a little extra guidance, Sarah does do step-parent coaching. So, you know, you can work with her one-on-one -on -one and have it geared specifically to your situation. She can really give you a lot of support. I know she's made a big difference in my life. Thanks. Um, so check out her website at sarasusov.com. S-A-R-A-S-U-S-O-V.com. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my brain was like, spelling, what's that? I, <laughs> <laughs> I promise That's I know okay. how to spell your name. <laughs> but yeah, go check that out. And you can also find her on Facebook. Um, you know, she's very easy to talk to. She's a great listener and she has really good insights. Thank you. I really appreciate that. You're welcome. I feel like there's a lot of areas of step parents where sometimes we need support. Yeah. Um, a lot of times we need yeah, support. Yeah, like all the time. <laughs> yeah. And then other times we need somebody to kind of challenge us on us on what we're thinking. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely get into some flawed thinking patterns and <laughs> get to where I'm like only seeing the negative and I yes. I don't I get in a loop uh -huh. and I don't get out of it until someone's like, uh, hey, what you doing? Just so you know. <laughs> <I> know. <laughs> Have you tried this instead? And I'm like, oh, why you gotta be right? Oh, fine, I'll go do that. Yeah, I don't respond nicely like like you were making that sound. Oh, and I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I hate it when other people are right. <laughs> My speech pathologist is always like, fine, be logical. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I, you know, as a coach and mentor and even as a school psychologist, I'm not immune to those. I, or to making those mistakes. I was involved in like, all of the possible thinking errors that you can have on Wednesday when I was having my meltdown. So um, the it good happens. thing is that like, once you know about them, you can recognize them and help with them. That's true. That is true. Um, what is that called? The flawed thinking? There's like a fancier name for it. I always call them thinking errors. Thinking errors. Cognitive distortions. Yes. Okay. That's the, that's the fancy term yeah. I was trying to think of. My little middle schoolers would be like, cognitive what? Right. <laughs> I had like a paper that was a list of all the different cognitive uh -huh. distortions once. And I was like, oh, no. Why? 
I'm doing all of these. <laughs> <laughs> yep, we all do them. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I guess I need to apply my analytical brain to myself sometimes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it'd be really interesting to do an episode on that, like how in step parenting we get caught up in the fight or flight yeah. because we're always in stress response and how to get out of it. Oh, we for sure should. So, Let's okay. put that on the list. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> Anyway, we digress as usual. (laughs) We love you all. If you are having a hard time with fertility, infertility, um, if you are struggling emotionally, please email us, steppingforwardpodcast at gmail.com. You can also tweet or send us a message on Instagram at Step Forward Show. And um, Facebook is the other thing. Yes. (laughs) Stepping Forward Podcast group and a page. And like Rachel said, you can also find me on Facebook. I'm easy. All my stuff is public. Um, I have a page as well. So if you want to chat, I'd love to talk to you and help you out. That's my my mission in life. I've decided is contribution and um, helping people because that is what is super fulfilling to me. Yes. And we love to be here for step parents and step families so in general. Uh-huh. I get inboxed all the time yeah. with fun stuff and people are like, I'm sorry to bug you. And I'm like, well, don't be. <laughs> Stop being sorry. Just tell me what's up. Yes. <laughs> so. And I'm guessing by fun, you mean horrible, right? Yeah. <laughs> Guess what happened now? Right. <laughs> all right. Well, we hope to hear from you guys soon. And in the meantime, keep on stepping. Only want the